All right, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, if you will. Matthew chapter 5. We are beginning on the Beatitudes. Uh, we're continuing, <laughs> continuing in the Beatitudes, uh, talking about the message that Jesus preached, the very first message he preached, and the very first message he preached to his followers. And he preached this to the men, that, uh, the men and women that were with him at the beginning and stayed with him. And remember, this sermon is not a sermon to the lost. It's not a sermon to, uh, to bring the crowds in. It's a sermon to us. It's a teaching to us as his followers of how we are supposed to represent him. In a day and age where it's very difficult to figure that out, where you have people on both sides telling you, this is what you should be. This is what you should do. This is how you should represent Jesus Christ. This is how you know, Jesus would be involved in this. Jesus would do this. Jesus would stand up for that. Well, let me just, let me just give you a, a little bit of, of, of teaching and advice on what Jesus would do. How many of you ever wore a WWJD bracelet or anything like, you know, you had, remember when they were, I think it was the 90s where they were really, really popular. They came from that, uh, Pastor Shelton, right? Is that Pastor Shelton wrote a book over a century ago, challenged his congregation to ask themselves a question about everything they did in life. What would Jesus do? That wasn't a fad that started in the 90s. That was a, that was a, a, a Christian practice from back at the turn of the last century. And it became very popular. People put it on uh, bumper stickers on their car. There were t-shirts. People wore bracelets. And there were even songs written about it. Well, if you ask that, if you want to know the answer to that question, it's not in your ability to decipher the world. It's not in your ability to be able to read the tea leaves of the way things are going in life. It's not even, listen to this, pay attention to this. It's not even in your ability to, to feel how you think you need to feel. Because everybody wants to talk about feelings today and everybody makes decisions on their lives based on their feelings. Listen, as Christians, we're not called to follow our feelings. We're called to follow the word of God. Now, whether or not you follow the word of God completely with your life is between you and God. But if you want to know what Jesus would do, He's told you right here in his word. It's right here. So if you want to know what Jesus would do in certain situations, find a principle, find a passage from the word of God that explains and gives a principle and a teaching and an understanding. You want to know how to be a good mom? And I don't, I don't preach Mother's Day sermons, so moms, don't worry. You're off the hook today. Okay? Um, if you want to know how to be a good mom, read the Bible. The Bible tells you how to be a good mom. You want to learn how to be a good neighbor? Read the Bible. The Bible tells you how to be a good neighbor. You want to know how to be a good follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus preached this to us, his very first message. How to be a, a how to, the, the basics of being a good follower of Jesus. And if you remember, the first four uh, Beatitudes were about our relationship with God, how we relate to him, what we're supposed to, to be with him. And now the second four that we're getting into is how we're supposed to relate to others, how we're supposed to project Jesus to others. It's not that complicated because it's, it, there's, there's just a few principles, but it's also not that easy. It's very easy to, um, uh, Maya, Maya told me about a week ago, she was struggling in geometry. How many of you aced geometry when you were in school? Well, good for you. Happy flipping Mother's Day to you. Great. 
good times. My lowest grade in my life, and I was always a good student, my lowest grade in my life came in geometry. No lie, how you get this grade, I'll never know. I got a 17. How do you get a 17? A 17. I, I looked, I was like, well, what did I do? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't even think I had an answer right. I, I guess I got... I made the, I, I don't know what I did, but I got 17. So Maya looks at me last week, and she was struggling with geometry. She stayed after one day, and she worked with a teacher. And the teacher, it was just her and, and Maya. She came to me, she looked at me, she said, Dad, I get geometry now. I said, well, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's good for you. That's good for you. And I was very happy for her because it's tough to struggle with something, but when the light bulb goes off, it's awesome. Following Jesus Christ, it's very easy to get the principles. Now, now the challenge, Maya, is to take geometry and apply it to everyday life because it just doesn't really happen. But, but, um, as a as a follower of Jesus, the the principles are very easy to learn and to read and to preach about. Right, the tough part is to put them into practice in our lives. The tough part is to make it practical. So that's how we're coming at the Beatitudes here. We're trying to make them practical. We're trying to see what it is that Jesus was teaching us, how he was teaching us, and then learn how to apply that to our lives. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. If you'd stand with me as we read our text, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And I'm probably going to alternate sitting down, standing up. I'm sorry. I know that's a little distracting, but... um, I apologize. So let's read Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. It says, When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. By the way, those of you who, have, who weren't here at the beginning of this series, the word blessed there means happy, incredibly happy. You have a reason to be happy. You have a reason for joy. So blessed means happy. So we could, we could literally say happy are, um, happy are the poor in spirit. Uh, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You may be seated. And thank you for standing for that. I've always loved that. I've always loved when people stand for the word of God. We stand out of respect for his word and, and for what he has given to us. Now, as followers of Christ, we have choices to make. The biggest choice that we must make after you've accepted Christ as your Savior and after you have been baptized and you start getting discipled and you start growing your faith, the biggest choice I believe we have to make as followers of Christ is our level of commitment. What is your level of commitment going to be? Many people take those next steps, but after those those first basic steps of being a follower of Christ, getting to the next level is a is a difficult task, but it's also a difficult choice for people to make. The next level of commitment. It's difficult that it encompasses far fewer believers. It's that level of full, full surrender of your will. Full surrender of your purpose and fully buying into the call of Jesus on their lives. I think one of the reasons we do that is because we think that people 
that are fully surrendered to the call of God on their lives are missionaries in Africa or missionaries somewhere in Asia, but that's just not true. People who are fully surrendered to the call of Jesus Christ are moms, they're dads, they're bankers, they're soldiers, they're painters, they're retired people, they're you and me. We just know what God has called us. God hasn't called everybody to go to a foreign field. God hasn't called everybody to work full-time in ministry. God has called us to be full-time followers of his. And that's what it means to fully surrender your will and your purpose to him. It encompasses every part of your life. And the difficult problem that we have with growing deep in our faith and truly becoming a follower who puts the kingdom first, absolutely first, is that the life of faith never gets fully intertwined with everything we do. The life of faith, the teachings of Jesus, while we take them on and they do affect some areas of our life, they never get fully intertwined into everything we do. Jesus never truly becomes first in everything. He's first in some things, and there are some areas of our lives that we'll give to him and we'll, and, and listen, I think that's great. And, I, and, and growing in, in the Lord and becoming fully dependent on him and fully given over to him is a process. It's a journey. Don't beat yourself up if you're not there because it's something we constantly build on and build with and get ourselves to as a place of, of living. But the reason so many people never get there is because it is such a difficult level of commitment to apply to our lives, where it takes over everything, where you consider God's plan in everything we do, in everything you do. That level of depth and commitment not only glorifies God, but is pursued after with passion, with prayer, and with deliberate sacrifice of self. In order, to, in order for God's plan and principles to have their greatest effect on us, I believe they must be incorporated into everything that we do. Now, we all know, and we've been taught this, those of you who have been in church for any length of time, you know that Christianity, your faith is not a part-time job. It's not a sometime thing. I believe it's a calling that must become our way of life. And once again, when we say our way of life, don't let that intimidate you. When I say it's a calling that must encompass everything in your life, that means it encompasses the way you interact with relationships. That's why Jesus was teaching us here how to build solid relationships with others. Believers and unbelievers, Christians don't get caught in the trap of thinking that you can't build relationships with people who don't know Jesus as your savior. That's how we win people to Christ. We win people to Christ by living in front of them, Jesus. How, you have to ask yourself the question, how many of you or your friends do you know that heard the gospel and accepted Jesus the very first time? Or how many people do you know that it took a while for it to bring them to that place? Someone had to, someone planted, someone watered, and God gave the increase. So that's what Jesus is teaching us. Live, let, letting his principles encompass every aspect of our life, the way we work, the way we talk, the way we um, make friends, the way we do everything. And then let his Holy Spirit work through us in the lives of other people. To do that means that we must incorporate his teachings, not just into our lives, because it's not a way, it's, it, it's not a, a way of living. 
we must allow his teachings to get into our heart because it's a way of life. We must be all in, and being all in begins on the inside. It begins in the heart. See, living for Jesus isn't about popularity. It's not about convenience. It's not about gain. In fact, Jesus says that just the opposite is going to happen on many occasions. We can, listen, we, can, we can hide our heads from the truth right now, and we cannot watch the news, and we cannot read the newspaper, and we cannot get on social media but the fact of the matter is, faith of uh, people, Christians, our faith is under fire right now. You know that around the country right now, because of a leaked document that we're not going to get into today, there are protests going on in churches today. Not by church people, by outside groups that think that we are, because of what we believe and stand for, that we should be a target of their anger. So you can think of that as you want. And wherever you stand on the issue of abortion, if you want to talk about that sometime, we'll talk about it. I'll give you biblical principles. I'll show you what the Bible has to say about the sanctity of life. I, have no, I make no bones about that. Please believe me. We can still be friends if you feel the other way. Not a problem. Um, but just understand, you'll never sway my feelings on that. Uh, just won't happen. Just won't happen. I believe what the Bible has to say. Um, but your faith is, is going to make you a target. If you desire, desire to live your faith in every way nowadays, it's going to make you a target. Not in everything, and not, not nasty, but, but there are going to be people who don't like what you stand for. And that's part of the reason that people won't take a stand, because they don't want to deal with that. Jesus said that's going to be part of following me. It's not going to be popular. Even Jesus had people walk away from him. I think many times when, when we see people that we, we love and we want to reach for him and people that just turn away from Jesus, I have to remember, although it breaks my heart, even Jesus had people walk away from him. You realize that uh, Judas Iscariot, check out this cat, Judas Iscariot walked with Jesus for three years, eight talked, was taught. Judas, do you realize the things Judas Iscariot saw? He saw, he, he saw Lazarus come out of the grave. He saw lepers healed instantly. He saw blind men see. He saw sick women healed by touching Jesus' garment. He saw 5,000 plus people fed with five biscuits and two fish. Yet he walked away from Jesus. Not only walked away, he betrayed Jesus to death. So understand that while it, it breaks your heart that people turn away, it cannot break you. Okay? You must still continue to live for Jesus Christ. Because bottom line is everybody has to make their choice for or against Jesus, and it cannot break you and stop you from serving him. He says that we're going to experience hard times, and that's why deepening our commitment, constant, consciously making decisions that ground us deeper and build us stronger and closer to Jesus is so vital. Because when those hard times come, and when they keep coming, 
Only the strong in spirit, the strong in heart, will continue on course. John Piper said this about our heart. The heart is what you are. In the secrecy of your thought and feeling when nobody knows but God. And what you are in the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. What you are in the invisible root where people can't see matters as much to God as what you are in the visible branch. Remember what Samuel said to David? That was what Samuel said to his servant when he was, when he was looking for a king. Or what God said to Samuel, sorry, what God said to Samuel when he was looking for a king to replace Saul. Samuel looked at Jesse's boys and he saw Eliab, big, strong, strapping soldier. And God said, that's not the one. He went through seven boys, all impressive. God said, those aren't the ones. And Samuel said to God, so, so I, I don't understand. And God said, listen, listen, Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's when he found David, young man whose heart was for God. So much so that the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Our heart is important. Matthew 15 verses 18 and 19 says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a man. Matthew 12 verses 33 and 34 say, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. And remember, we are, Jesus is using a tree to illustrate us and our lives. We are known by our fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in order to make progress in our spiritual growth and our level of commitment, we have to start with our heart, our passion, our desire. Where we are grounded, where we are fixed, is it all about us? It is all about our career, building our reputation, building our little kingdom? Or is it truly to serve God first and let him bless us as he will and bring us to the level of life and success that he will? It has to start with the heart where purpose and where passion begins. So let's get into this. What does it mean to be pure in heart? First of all, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Let me give you um, some of the definitions of what it means to be pure. Heart is exactly what it says. It's your heart, your passion, your desire. But some definitions for this word pure here. First of all, the first one is this. Generally, a general definition is to be clean. Able to be used as a cup or a dish. Okay? To be pure means to be clean. Able to be used. Now, unless you're a, a bachelor or somebody who just doesn't really want to wash dishes, um, generally you want to put your meal on a clean plate. If you went to a, you know, you go to, go to, a ta- go to a, even a fast food restaurant, you don't generally pick the table that's got the ketchup and the mustard smears on it, right? You pick a table that's clean because you want to use something that is clean. So here this word means, generally speaking, to be pure is to be clean, to be usable, okay? Ethically, 
It means to be free from corrupt desire, from sin, and from guilt. Now, that's a big, big point to take in right there, right? To be free from guilt. If I, I dare say if I were to ask for a raise of hands in the auditorium this morning, those of you who have guilt in your lives, guilty feelings, things that you may have confessed to God and you know they've been forgiven, but you still feel guilty about it, I think, I think we'd probably have 100%. And if we didn't have 100%, the others would, be guilt, would feel guilty about not raising their hand for feeling, saying they don't feel guilty. So to be pure means that you understand that you are to be free from corrupt desire, from sin and from guilt. Now, let me say this as well. That doesn't mean that you don't have the desire to be at a better place in life. You don't have a desire to be in a better place financially for your family. Uh, those of you who have a house full of people, it doesn't mean that you don't drive around. I don't know, maybe none of you do this, but drive around a neighborhood and look at a, a larger house and say, boy, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice to live there and be able to breathe, right? Or you, you drive a, a car that's older than you'd like and you drive by a car a lot and you say, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a car that's not in the shop as much as it is on the road. But what it means, what it does mean is that at the core of your desires is the desire to please him. It's pure. And then personally, it means to be sincere and genuine, blameless, innocent, unstained with the guilt of anything. Not the guilty feelings, but the actual guilt of anything. That means there's nothing that's being held against you. That's nothing that you're being uh, held accountable for. You've confessed your sin. You keep uh, you keep your relationships with other people solid by acknowledging your mistakes, taking responsibility and ownership. For those of you who raise children, you know, taking responsibility and taking ownership for your actions is a big deal to teach a, teach a kid because they want to blame everybody else, but we need to take responsibility for our own actions. Being pure means that you are free from the guilt of anything, that you are doing your best to be responsible for your own actions in your own life. So how do we take that definition and make it practical for us, which is what Jesus wants us to do? First of all, being pure in heart means to be singularly focused. And remember, remember, we're talking about serving Jesus Christ. We're talking about being followers of his. So to be pure in heart as a Christian means to be singularly focused, not having mixed passions uh, not mixed with other loves. This doesn't mean that you can't love other things. doesn't mean that you can't have other pursuits. doesn't mean you can't have hobbies that you enjoy. But why are you doing it? Do you do those things to help you uh, become a better person, to become a, a better uh, follower of Christ by giving yourself an outlet, by, helping, by allowing those things to be the time down, the the vow, the the, um, the, the the valley, the quiet valley or the cool waters that he, that he walks you through. Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. In times past, that was 
represented in churches as having church every day, being here at the church all the time. I get, I get that, I understand that, but that leaves no room for being out in society, out in the world, reaching people with the gospel. So we can't rely on being in church to make us pure in heart. We have to take what we learn in church and learn in Bible studies and learn how to be pure in heart, but we take it out to the world to actually live as people who are pure in heart. Mark 12, verse 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's a great verse to quote, right? It's, it's a, if you ever read The Purpose Driven Life, man, that's one of the, one of the verses that, that Rick Warren builds that whole principle of The Purpose Driven Life on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And it's a great principle. It's a great principle to listen to. It's a great principle to, to agree with. But how do you take it from here to there? Christian, that's the question. That's, that's the dilemma that we face. How do I take what I'm learning from the word? How do I take what I'm learning in sermons? How do I take what I'm learning in Bible study? How do I take that and, and, and make it practical in life? Is it possible? Yes, it is. It's very, very possible. Max Licato said, to have a pure heart, we must submit all our thoughts to the authority of Christ. If we are willing to do that, he will change us to be like him. One of the, the, what I love about that quote is they're right in the middle. He says, if we are willing to do that. See, that brings it right home, doesn't it? Because the only way you're going to become a Christian that is pure in heart in all your actions, the only way your faith is going to intertwine with the way you treat your family, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your children, the way you treat your neighbor, the way you treat your friends, the, the activities and habits that you have outside of church, the way you work, even the way you drive, the way you interact with other people, the only way it's going to happen is if you choose to allow the principles of Jesus Christ to become intertwined with everything that you do. That's the key. You can't say, I'm going to be a devoted follower of Jesus, I'm giving him everything I am, everything I have, but at work, I'm going to be me. It doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. I would make the argument that it's more important for you to be a shining example of Jesus at work than it is in here. This is where broken people learn how to get fixed, right? This is, this is where after, after a week of studying and preparation and prayer about my brokenness and how to fix my brokenness, I bring a message to you about how you can fix it. So here is where we, I, I, listen man, here at New Life, uh, we make no apologies. We do, not, we do not have expectations of you at all. Once you make a commitment, now we're gonna hold you to your commitment, don't get me wrong. But we do not expect you to come in here and be a great Christian. We'd like that, I'd love for that. I'd love for people to, to be honest. And but what we want here is you to come to church honestly. We want you to come to church vulnerable with your brokenness. That's why we worship. By the way, worship team, phenomenal job this morning. 
Great job this morning. You can just see the, the sea change on a Sunday morning. That's why, we, that's why we have so much worship, so that you can come in and allow, and my prayer throughout the week, and especially on Saturday nights, is that our worship team will be surrendered to Jesus so that our worship team will convey the message of Jesus through what they're leading us in. And if they do their job and allow the Holy Spirit to work through them, it's going to leak out into us. And we're going to feel that, and we're going to see it, and it's going to have an effect on our hearts. So we bring our brokenness in. Listen, man, you come in here putting on a show, putting on airs, as they used to say. You're not doing yourself any good. You're not doing us any good. As a body of Christ, we, and I'm not saying we have to come in here and, and lay ourselves in the altar and confess our sins for the week. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm saying is we need to come to church open and vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. And if we will do that in here, then he will work on our hearts. That's why I believe it's so vitally important that we're in church. That's why it's so vitally important to my parents to be in church. That's why we make a big deal of it. That's why we stayed open during COVID. Because people need to come in here and hear the word. And be vulnerable, vulnerable and be broken and be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Because you have to go out there. And if you're going to go out there and want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, you've got to be in here and learn how to be fixed. You've got to come in here and learn how to have your brokenness be brought back together through the principles of Jesus Christ, through the principles of his word. That's where it starts. And if you're going to say that you're a believer and you're going to live the principles of Jesus, it, happens, it has to begin with a pure heart. A heart that is motivated by him and for him. A heart that has the passion and desire to serve him. You want to be a good mom? You want to be a good dad? Read what the Bible has to say. Those of you who are teenagers right now, listen, we've got our youth group. Our youth group is hanging out in the auditorium now. And I think it's great for them. And Zach's got a plan and I'm not going not gonna to blow the, 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 the plan that he's But he's got a plan for them to, to take notes and to pay attention to the sermon. I think that's awesome. I grew up listening, those of you who were preacher's kids, we grew up listening to our, our parents preaching at us from the pulpit, right? Uh, bad enough they preached at us every day during at home, now we had to be preached at from the pulpit. But you, those of you who are teenagers, young people who are looking to make a, make a choice in your life for or against Jesus Christ, understand the odds, kids, the odds are against you staying in church. You realize that? The odds are against you staying in church. Four out of every five teenagers, it's actually more than that, but I'll use the four out of five statistic. Four out of five teenagers that grow up active in church youth groups leave church once they graduate from high school. Because they go out there, they've never understood how to translate what goes on in here to out there. Listen, you don't have to stand on a soapbox and, and, and preach on a street corner every night to show people your faith. What you do have to do is learn how to allow your faith to permeate 
every aspect of your life, every choice you make. That comes down to everything you do. And it's not going to make you perfect. We're not going to be perfect people. Please don't misunderstand me. But we are going to be desiring to make better choices in our lives. We're going to be desiring to be a better example. We're going to be desiring to reach people that we've never been able to reach before. And I think the end goal is this. We're going to be able to give people an answer to why we believe the way we believe. Listen, I have no, no problem with people coming at me saying, well, you, you stand this way on an issue. You're the problem. Well, okay, you can, you can believe, and, I, and this is what I say to them, and I've, I've had this conversation with people. I've had this with teenagers at the high school this week a few times, seriously, because of what's going on in the news right now. So listen, first of all, let's bring it down a little bit, okay? It's not adversarial. We're not, we're not going to fight about this. Secondly, if you want to know why I believe the way I believe, well, I'll tell you. I'm not going to say it arrogantly. I'm not going to start a fight. We're not, we're not going to fight about this. But if you want to know what I believe and why I believe it, I will tell you. That is how you begin the conversation of faith. We're not here to prove anything. See, sometimes as Christians, we want to be winners of an argument rather than, tell, rather than tellers of the truth, Right? We want to make sure we win the argument because that's the American way. You have to be a win. If you're, not, if you're not winning, you're losing. Is that what Ricky Bobby said? If you're not winning, you're losing? Right? That's it. If you ain't first, you're last. Second place. How many of you, when you were playing sports, second place is just the first loser? Right? Second place. That's the American way, man. Right? Well, that's just not realistic. Just not realistic. We don't have to win every argument. In fact, relationships, strong relationships, especially between people who have disagreements, are built on honest conversation and, and drawing the lines of where we begin. We can have this conversation, but this is where we need to start. We need to start with honesty. We need to start with truth. And my truth, the truth of my life, what I believe, where I stand, is on the Bible. Listen, if you ask me, do you really say that? Yes, I do. In a public school. I had to sub this week and I sat in the hallway outside because right now we have to guard the bathrooms, right? They're paying me. Seriously, Melvin, check it out, man. The city, I don't know, man. I'm sitting out there paid, being paid to guard the bathrooms, right? I'm studying. I've got my Bible open. Teachers walk by. You can't have a Bible in school. Yes, you can. Know your rights, know the law. But that's not the point. The point is, I'm going to be who I am. Who I represent up here is who I am out there. When we have our new, new members class, we're going to be having one in June. When we have our new members class. That's one of the things I tell people. My goal is the Pastor John you see behind the pulpit is the Pastor John you're going to see out there. That's why I don't wear long sleeves to cover up my tattoos. I'm a, I love tattoos. I'm getting more. I like them. I just, hey, maybe you don't like them, but I'm, I have a, I'm a divorced pastor. I don't hide that fact. I, just the way it is. You don't like that? People don't like that? They don't come to our church because of that? Okay, that's fine. You know, that's cool. Just live for Jesus. Don't make me your reason not to live for Jesus. Let's just live for Jesus. But my goal is to, the guy that you see up here is the guy you see out there. I don't want to be fake. 
And that means out there, I have to be who I am up here. A guy who values the Bible above all else. I can't say that up here and not live it out there. And although I'm not perfect, I continue to try to do that. I believe that's the secret for us getting our lives to the next level of commitment and to live pure in heart as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, being singularly focused. Second thing I, mean, I believe it means is this, to be pure in heart. It also means to be protective. It means to be protective. Protective in this way. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart. And also a great translation for that word keep there is guard. Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Hmm. You see why Jesus addressed our hearts. There are so many issues in life he could have addressed in this sermon. So many different things he could have said. But he chose to say one of the, one of the eight principles for building a solid Christian life was this, being pure in heart. Why? Because from your heart flows your life. The choices you make, the attitude you have, the people you choose to love, the, che the people you choose to hate, the people you choose to divide yourself from, the level of commitment you choose to give to him. Those things that you choose to put your energy and effort into outside of the church. It means to be protective. Guard your heart. Psalm 51.10, David knew, now this is Dave, Psalm 51, for those of you who, who know your Bible, you know Psalm 51 is David's great psalm of repentance, right? David's great psalm of repentance. Because of his sin with Bathsheba and his sin of having her husband uh, murdered in battle, David finally came to grips with his sin and he wrote this psalm. There's one, one verse in there I would say to you as well to get a hold of. David says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Um, make sure that you're not feeling guilty. You have to confess to everybody what you've done. You've done it between you and God. You don't owe anybody anything else. But David says in Psalm 51.10, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David knew, and remember, David, the Bible, it's a, David doesn't call himself this, the Bible, God's word says David was a man after the very heart of God. David wanted God's heart to be his heart. David wanted God's passion to be his passion. David wanted God's purpose to be his purpose. David wanted everything he did in his life to reflect his God. So David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Hey man, that's not a great, that's, that's not a bad prayer to have every day of your life. Hey God, I woke up, uh, some people say I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I woke up grouchy. However you woke up, if you woke up in a way that's not going to really make your day good, do you ever say, hey God, <laughs> this morning, could you give me a clean heart? And could you renew a right spirit within me? You know, there's times where you go to bed with a whole lot on your mind and you dream it. Oh, and you wake up. 
And I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I know some people remember their dreams. I find, I find you people that remember your dreams very weird because, because I don't remember my dreams. But, Tiffany, but I wake up sometimes angry because of my dreams. Can I get an amen? I, okay, nobody else does that. That's just me. But sometimes I wake up because I know I had a dream and I know it was a dream that was annoying and bad, but I don't remember it. I know. I'm a little, I'm a little odd, a little off. But I know that if I get up, and now that my wife's collection habit inhabits our day, I know I have to get up and face them every morning. I, <laughs> she just called me a jerk, by the way. Um, you said it into my good ear. Uh, I know that, hey, I may, not, I'm, I may not be able to be Mr. Chipper in the morning, but at least I need to keep a guard at the, lip, at, at the door of my mouth, right? And, and sometimes just be quiet because being quiet is as valuable as, uh, not speaking death is, is better than not speaking life sometimes. So, but it means to be protective, protective of your heart. When we say, when, when Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence, literally what it means is to guard your heart like a prison. Guard your heart like a prison. You want to keep things in, not let them out. Right? You want to keep in your heart those right feelings, those right desires, those pure motivations for Jesus. You, need to pre you want to be protective, and you need to be protective of the passions that he has placed in your heart and not let them out. Because once you let them out of your heart, it leaves room for other passions to come in. So you want to guard your heart with all diligence. Because what comes out of your heart is what truly matters to you. Your heart is the source of the life that you project and the life that you give. Your heart is the source of the life that you project to others. Listen, you can, you can be a great actor. You can be a, a, a great showman or a showwoman. But eventually who you are is going to be shown. And who you are in your heart is who you're going to project to other people. That is the life that is going to be projected because it's coming from your heart. That's why it's so important to protect your heart. Not just be protective of your heart, but what, what are we supposed to be protective of? And now this, this, what I'm about to say, goes, this goes old school. This goes back, right? We need to be, be protective of something we used to call your testimony, Right? We need to be protective of our testimony. Well, I am who I am, and people need to just accept me. Remember, well, let's go back to what we said at the beginning of the sermon. What would Jesus do? Let's sit down. Why don't you sit down and do a Bible study about do people need to just accept you for who you are? Or do you need to allow the Holy Spirit to change you from the inside out so that you can reject to them who Jesus wants you to be? 
Okay, that's the key. We need to be protective of our testimony. Our testimony is that uh, what we radiate to others. The truth of our life. The truth of who we are. And I'm, I'll, I'll tell you, people come to me and ask me all the time about this or that. People ask me, Christian, want to ask me about alcohol. Listen, I think you can make a great case either way as a Christian. I know this for me. I was raised uh, without it. I don't drink it. It's not part of my life. I personally don't see, uh, there's, no, there's no better. I, I, I'll have a good time drinking Coke Zero or iced tea. Other people, people love it. It's, and as long as, the, as long as you can follow the biblical principles of moderation, then I think, you can, I think you're good to go. Uh, that's, I know some of you are going <laughs> to, don't send emails, please. So it's either way. But listen, those are one, that's one of the things, I've done the study, I've done the work, you can do it yourself. And Jesus didn't turn the water into Welch's grape juice, folks. He turned the water into wine, he really did. He really did, he turned the water into wine. You may not like that, it may not meet up with your, 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 standard, your, your desire, the way you were raised, but if we're going to be honest, we're going to be honest. We can't just take a stand on something because it's what we think fits, okay? You have to take the right stand. I don't, I don't do, I also don't dance. I don't dance, not because there's anything wrong with it, it's because you don't want to see me dance, okay? Like Jojo the dancing bear. It's just not going to happen. It's not a pretty sight. Don't make me do it. But, <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about. We've got to be who we are at all times. And you've, if you can make a biblical argument for it, then stand on it. Don't be afraid to stand on your beliefs. Now, don't, don't go to blows with people about it, but stand on your beliefs. Be protect, but, but don't allow your freedom. That's all right. I, 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 I use 14 font now so I can read it. But thank you. I appreciate that. But no matter what you believe, no matter what you think, no matter what argument you can make from the Bible, please understand this. The testimony you project is more important than how you feel, than the stand you take. Can you understand that? I hope, I hope and we'll, as we talk more about that, I think it'll, be, it'll make more sense. That's why Paul says, we're going to read these verses a little bit. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set you free, but don't use that freedom to be a stumbling block to others. That's why we have the freedom to do things, but we don't necessarily do them at certain times because it may be a stumbling block to other people. David wrote this, may the words of, in Psalm 19, 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to, acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Not acceptable to them in the bowling alley, not acceptable to them on the work site, not acceptable to them in the office, acceptable to you, Lord. That's at all times. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. If they're acceptable to God, then we will be living the testimony that he wants us to live. Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want others to do to you, do, to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's where we get the golden rule from, right? What you want other, the way you want others to treat you, treat them in return. Even if they don't treat you that way, we don't give evil for good as Christians. We, in fact, give good for evil. 
Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high, right? And yes, I just quoted Michelle Obama, okay? Calm down. Those of you right-wingers, calm down. It's actually a very good quote and very good principle to live. When they go low, we go high. As Christians, we should stay up here. It may not matter to you what people think of you, but it should matter to you what people think of Jesus and your faith. Okay? And I am the perfect, I'm the perfect example of that because you could ask my wife. My wife didn't believe me for so long, but I truly do not care what people think of me. I've gotten beyond that point in my life. It doesn't really matter. If you, if you think, I mean, I, I have people rail on, uh, people try to make fun of me all the time for being bald. It's like I do have hair. I just choose to shave it because I don't want to look like Friar Tuck. Okay, I've got it on the sides and in the back. I don't have any on top because grass doesn't grow on a busy street. Ha, 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 right? That's, but thank you for the sympathy laugh. But I'm very comfortable who I am with, with who I am. That's why I don't have a problem with people who don't like Christians who try to quote scripture to me about tattoos. I don't really, I, honestly, I, I think then, then don't have a tattoo, okay? Don't, don't get a tattoo. That's it. You, if you don't want to, man, enter heaven with pure skin. Wonderful. My tattoos all make a statement, okay? They all make a statement. They all say something about my faith. They all say something about my family. This one right here, my two beautiful boys, my two youngest beautiful boys are here. This is a tattoo for our adoption. It's got the adoption symbol is the triangle. The heart is the love of our family and the wings, Gabriel and Michael, angels. See, my wife has the same thing on her foot. Listen, if you don't like, if you don't like tattoos, you don't like my tattoos, then don't look at them. That's okay. But I'm very comfortable with the fact that I'm saying I have tattoos and I'm aware I'm, and I'm going to get more. I'm okay with that. Even investigated having tattooed hair. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Making, bringing levity to the matter, okay? My point is this. If, you don't, if you're not concerned, if it doesn't really honestly matter to you what people think of you, please let it matter what people think about your faith and Jesus. And that's truly what should motivate you to begin with. What people truly think about who you are projecting and who you are living for. The eternity of, eternity of others may hinge on it. Be protective of your worldview. We, we represent a king and a kingdom. We represent a king and a kingdom. Be protective of your worldview. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I believe you need to be protective of your ethics and morality that come from your heart. Your ethics and your morality. Proverbs 11.1, 1, dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. Listen, if you're a business owner, be honest with people. If you work for somebody, be honest with your boss. Give them an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. If you're a student, work hard. Do your best. I don't, we don't, I don't expect everybody, I don't expect all my kids to get straight A's. I do expect them to do their best. I don't send you to school to, to fool around. I send you to school to learn. So go to school and learn. Do your best. That's all he asks of you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. If you think it's okay to eat double stuffed Oreos, praise Jesus, then do it to the glory of God, right? Whatever you eat, drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. 
If you can justify it according to the word of God and, and, and stand before God, there are some areas, some places where I'm going to plant my flag and say, listen, I'll answer to God for this. And I'm very comfortable answering to God for where I stand. Man, if you can do that, then do it. Be protective of your ethics and your morality, but make sure they're grounded in the word of God. And lastly, this is where we'll end this and we'll finish this sermon next week. But at the same time, it means to be free. Kirk Franklin, man, how many of you love Kirk Franklin music? Kirk Franklin is one of the, he's a, a prolific songwriter. Kirk Franklin is, he's like the bridge. He's, he really tries to build a bridge between the races in the church. But at the same time, Kirk Franklin is so very honest about the problems in the church. Very honest about, about the problems and the, 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 the break between the races in the church. And Kirk Franklin, he wrote, uh, his, my favorite Kirk Franklin song was when it was Kirk Franklin and the family. They wrote the song Stomp. And Stomp, Stomp crossed over, man. Stomp, they were, from what I've heard, I don't know this for a fact, but from what I heard, they were playing Stomp in the clubs. Stomp was, I see a lot of head shaking, I guess. But Stomp is a great song. But when he wrote Stomp, Christian radio wouldn't play it. It was on mainstream radio. And it's like, it, Stomp gets you going. I mean, it's, uh, you want to get motivated to, to mow the lawn, listen to Stomp. Stomp is a great song. Um, and, the, and there's a great movie out, by the way, it's called the Jesus Music movie. If you want to learn about the, 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 the music of contemporary Christian music and where it came from, how it started. Great, great, uh, great movie to watch. I've watched a couple times now. But Kirk Franklin said this about being free in who you are as a Christian and free in Christ. If they don't have nail prints in their hands or scars on their forehead, you don't owe them an explanation. I think that's pretty good to live by, man. What he's saying is if they're not Jesus, you don't owe them an explanation. Jesus is the only one you answer to. Now that's not defiantly, that's honestly. But if you can say, what would Jesus do? I believe based on the word of God, this is what Jesus would do, then that's all you have to worry about. That's all you have to be concerned about. Galatians 5.1, I quoted this already. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't be, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. You were, slept, you were set free to be free. I mean, uh, I watched Band of Brothers, and at the end of that, at the end of the, the miniseries Band of Brothers, the American forces, if you remember, they find um, a, a concentration camp where Jews have been kept, and they liberated the concentration, they, they opened the gates, but the prisoners stayed there. And one of them asked one of the soldiers, what do we do now? That's, that is one of the, it can be a very trite saying if we just look at, but it's actually a very deep principle. Christ set you free to be free. He didn't set you free to follow me, okay? He didn't set you free to, to please me. He didn't set you free to follow a list of rules and regulations. He set you free to pursue him with the same reckless love which he pursues you with. Don't worry about making mistakes. Don't worry about falling on your face. We learn many times from our failures. Just make sure 
you get up more times than you fall down, as that theologian Rocky Balboa tells us, right? For freedom, you were set free. Don't be brought back, and don't chain, don't, don't, don't trade one set of chains for another, right? 2 Peter 2.19 says, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Whatever defeats you makes you its slave. Live free. Live free. Live free for a purpose. Defend your freedom, man. Fight for your freedom in Christ. Fight for your, listen, uh, let me just be blatantly open and honest. If you want to fight for your freedom as a Christian, you are in the absolute right church. And if you are watching online and you're looking for a church, if you have friends that are looking for a place where they can fight for their freedom, bring them here. Because we are not going to lay down. We do not have a covenant of rules and regulations for you to follow. We will let you pursue Jesus Christ the way you, that according to the word of God, <laughs> the way you believe that you should pursue him, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the, the truth of it. And Lord, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you today for mothers. Father, thank you for my mom, an amazing example of, of uh, faith and love and endurance and just uh, love from a pure heart. God, thank you for giving me uh, my mom. She's just an amazing woman. And thank you for... My, my wife, Erin, and the mom that she is to our children. Thank you for all these moms, Lord, all the moms in our church. God, would you bless them with a good day today? And Father, living for you sounds so easy sometimes, yet when we really get down into the weeds of it, it becomes very difficult. And it all begins with this pure heart idea. And Father, I, there's no way that I can, I can teach it the way you did. But I pray that uh, the words that you gave me this morning will hit home, will, will make a difference, and will maybe bring things into focus or cause people to be stirred to investigate more. And God, bring us purity into our hearts so that we can live our lives purely. Father, as we go from here today, May we go forward living for you, loving for you. Go forward as worshipers, serving you, doing your will, following your passion. And God, may we be to others who you've called us to be. May we walk through every open door. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.